Welcome to WebRush, the weekly talk show that brings you stories of real-world development from industry experts and developers like you and me. Each week, Ward Bell, Dan Walleen, Craig Shoemaker, and John Papa find out what it takes to write, deploy, and maintain apps that stand up to the demands of the real world. And now, here are your hosts. Welcome back to WebRush. This is episode 248, What's Nuxt for Nuxt.js, or Nuxt Up, or we just got a lot of the puns going on today with Nuxt. I love the names of products in the JavaScript open source community. They're just awesome. Cucumber, gulp, grunt, let's go for it, right? Broccoli. We got some cool names out there. My name's John Papa, along with my co-host Dan Walleen and Ward Bell today. And we're here to talk about what's been going on with the Vue world and Nux.js with a special return guest. But before we get to our return guest, Dan, you've done a lot of work with Next and Nuxt and Angular and Svelte and gosh, there's so many different things these days. Have you used Nuxt recently? I mean, kind of where are you in the Nuxt world? I haven't used it recently, so I'm, I'm really interested to hear what Alex has to tell us. Um, yeah, I used, like you, I've used it in the past a little bit, but no, I haven't tried out the latest stuff. Yeah, I've kind of had a hiatus myself from using Nuxt for the past year, I'd say. Uh, kind of, you know, it's wherever the projects go. I've done more React, Svelte, and Angular than I have uh, Viewer Nuxt lately, so kind of really interested in the show today to see kind of where things have landed with the with the next world. So if y'all don't mind, let's bring in our guest, Alexander Lichter. Alex, how are you doing? I'm great. Thanks a lot for having me here. And yeah, really curious. And I hope I can convince you to get more into Nux than see what's Nux. To see what's Nux. Exactly. So <laughs> you're, you're on the whole pun roll with us now. I like this. For those There's of you no out way there, around that. <laughs> those of you out there who maybe aren't familiar with Alex, let me tell you a little bit more about him. Alex is a return guest on the WebRush uh, podcast. He was actually on episode 72, which is a long time ago, <laughs> like three <laughs> and a half years ago. Uh, Alex is a web development consultant in his 20s and a Nuxt team member when not working on open source projects. He gives talks at conferences, he writes blog posts, or helps companies with web development. And he's focusing on front end, ideally, with Nux.js. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> and we put into the notes uh, where you can find Alex up on social media, and also you can watch his, uh, or listen to his previous podcast episode, which I got to tell you, Alex, I think your episode 72 was the last time we talked about Nuxt on this podcast. Really? Which is a shame. So a lot has changed. It's about that time then, yeah. <laughs> so tell us about Minux. Like to, to orient people um, listening to this first, like some people may not be familiar with Nux and kind of what it is. Give us the quick, you know, elevator pitch of what exactly is Nuxt. Okay. So And how do you spell have, it? <laughs> okay, Nuxt. <laughs> N-U-X-T. Very simple. That out of the way. Yeah, Nuxt is one of the many meta frameworks out there. It's based on Vue.js. It is fully written in TypeScript. It uh, is using Vite or optional webpack under the hood. And the idea is to, of course, reduce the pains developers have. So deliver a phenomenal, phenomenal developer experience and make sure that you can bring your Nuxt and Vue application like the fastest ever to production, no matter which platform. So once again, it gives you lots of Batteries out of the box, lots of supercharged options. We have a rich module system. Um, but I think for me, the most important part is really that you're not locked uh, into some platform like, okay, you have to deploy there 
on, I don't know, some weird own cloud solution or whatever. But um, thanks to the underlying packages and server engine, you can deploy it on the edge, on serverless, on a plain old VPS, or with pre-rendering just wherever static files can be served. In a box, with a Vox, right? On a train, on a plane. (laughs) Wherever you want. Just has to run, well, V8, Node.js, or just, well, serve static files if if you're into pre-rendering. So, Alex, uh, you said it relieves of the pain that developers have. My, My back's been hurting me. Is, is that the pain or what is the pain? Well, if your doctor's website is built with Nux, then you have a good time arranging an appointment. So I think that's also, that, that's the only thing you can do though. But so th- there are lots of things that developers struggle with. I think especially now that web development is as easy and as complex as it's never been before. Uh, it's like, okay, uh, how to set up certain things, especially with all the toolings around. We've seen, yeah, Webpack for for years, Veed coming up, and then like TurboPack, RSPack, whatsoever. Um, and the, the classic thing is, okay, we somehow want to bootstrap our applications, sure. And on the other hand, we want to have lots of sensible defaults. We don't want to like configure hours or even days before we can like actually launch an application. And same idea with building. Ideally, we just want to have one command to run a dev server, one command to build. And then it should just work, you know, no matter which platform. That's like the idea world. And yeah, Nux is really trying to hit that sweet spot there with having automatic presets that can just detect, hey, are you deploying on, for example, Netlify or on Vercel? Then yeah, please just use the presets. There's zero config, so you don't have to change a line in your configuration and it will work out of the okay. box. Okay, so I use this, it sort of scaffolds out my application at the beginning of the process or am I, then is it living with me for over time? Yeah, so Nuxt will be there if you choose to build Nuxt application throughout the whole duration of your project. So you start with start like scaffolding application. We have a little CLI, so you run like NPX Nuxy in it. And then just put in the the name of your project. It will um, add Nuxt as the dependencies and also TypeScript and so on in a very like simple structure, starting with an app dot view and a config that's already like empty because you don't technically don't even need a config, but most bigger projects need one. Um, and you can get going. You get a nice like welcome screen saying, "Hey, just change the content of your app dot view, and you're good to go." And you don't have to configure a single thing if you don't want to. Of course, if you say like, hey, I don't want to reinvent the wheel. I want to add some modules like, I don't know, uh, like GraphQL module or um, some kind of libraries that have a Nuxt module, then of course, then you might have to add them to the Nuxt config to actually add them and make them work. But other than that, you're like free to go and to write things in, in the view way, in the view components, as you already know. There is, I think, one... Important part there as well, which is server-side rendering. So all the kinds of server-side rendering, as I mentioned before, pre-rendering, like server-side rendering at build time, you can also call it, um, is possible with Nuxt.js, but also having uh, a Node.js or worker or whatever, um, so Node.js server worker running, um, that will deliver your sites on the fly or do like incremental static regeneration um, or also like mix all these modes together. And what's the advantage of the server-side generation and, and all that, too? Like, we've talked about it before on the show, but I think it's good to really reinforce, like, if you're using one of these meta frameworks, it seems that the server-side generation is one of the main features of Nuxt, Next, et cetera, SvelteKit. Like, what does that give the developer? Yeah, so especially when you build um, sites or projects that are publicly like facing, say, like a forum uh, 
a help database or your own portfolio site. Of course, you want a few things. You want SEO so that actually Google can not only index, but also rank your page quite high, which means it ideally gets HTML and not just a blank HTML file and the JavaScript that generates the HTML. So that's why server-side rendering will just like show you the site immediately and also um, the HTML to the user and to the search engine. And yeah, for the user, same idea. Like you don't have a loading spinner, even though it's I don't, only for, I don't know, like half a second or 21 milliseconds, and then you see the page. But more like, okay, the, the page is dynamically or from a cache generated. It's there right away. Then the hydration kicks in. So at some point you need to load the JavaScript frameworks of Vue and Nuxt, and then they take everything from the HTML and make it reactive. That's usually called hydration. And then it is a plain old uh, single page application from that point. But yeah, service and rendering means a, like a better time to first paint. So once again, don't have that big loading uh, spinner waiting. And it's also, it can be a better perceived performance, of course, because if you like have everything cached, it can be even faster. So in that case, you don't have to like dynamically, I don't know, call some APIs to get some data. Otherwise, that has to happen on the server too. But yeah, especially for these points, like SEO, perceived performance, and a quick time to first paint, service that rendering can really help. Are you building a web application? Need to deliver it soon and don't have the people to do it? Maybe you're not sure your company has the skill set or experience to do it. And maybe we can help. I'm your host, Ward Bell, and my day job is building applications for companies like yours. I don't do it alone. I'm president of IdeaBlade, a consultancy that specializes in enterprise web application development. We're particularly strong in Angular, RxJS, NGRx Redux on the front end, and .NET and Microsoft technologies on the server. We're a small, tight-knit group of people handpicked by me for their expertise, experience, integrity, and team spirit. Maybe we can help you with architectural guidance and hands-on development. And if there's something we don't know, and in our field, really, there's too much to know, we can draw on our personal connections in the Microsoft RD, MVP, and Google GDE networks, as well as our international circle of really great developers, people we know and trust personally. If you've got a project that's keeping you up at night, shoot us an email at info at ideablade.com. That's info at ideablade.com. And now back to the show. It's funny, I've seen, uh, I don't know, maybe it's just what I've seen in the circles I'm in, but... That seems to be a huge shift lately to instead of the old, nah, we're just going to send everything to the client. Just about every new framework or library that's come out, I've seen this huge focus on server-side rendering in general, which is kind of funny because I don't know about you, Alex, but Ward, John, and I, we definitely came from the days where it was all server-side rendering. Same, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it seems to be shifting back to that a bit more. Is that... Are you seeing that, or do you think it's a combo because of the rehydration? I, I think I think it's really good that um, like we started with traditional like server-side rendering with like PHP or even JSF or whatever back in times. Yeah, um, yep. and I mean PHP is still super popular, right? So, um, and and then Where? we thought, okay, Where? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> well, I just 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 
take a look at how much of the internet WordPress is powering, for example, or how popular Laravel, for example, stays. Sure. So but those apps are already written in PHP. Sorry, I'm getting my PHP soapbox here. Like, <laughs> are you saying, Alexander, oh. that you're going to drop Nux.js and you're going to go become a PHP developer today? Not again, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, I want to. I want to like build the bridge why we actually came all the way to like SPAs and eventually Nux. So. Of course, there was there was a point where hmm, we don't want to click and wait when we navigate from one page to another. So then Ajax came in and then we're like, okay, now we write lots of JavaScript in the front end to fetch data. Why not build everything in the front end in JavaScript? And SPAs came up because writing tons of jQuery Ajax is annoying and not maintainable. I have still like one or two projects that are like that and I dare, don't dare to touch, no. <laughs> um, and yeah, then at some point it was like, okay, it's so nice that the JavaScript is generating the HTML, but now we have the problem. There is like a very big bundle for the client and we don't necessarily need all the JavaScript in the client, plus the whole SEO part as well. And that's where service rendering comes in. And now with all the focus of, okay, we want to reduce the JavaScript even more, which I definitely advocate, um, we also see like, Okay, islands. For example, with, with Nuxt, what, uh, there's one experimental feature called server components. So components that you don't ship in a bundle. So you write classic view components, but you don't send them to the client. Instead, you just have an API endpoint that will be called to fetch the results and to integrate that HTML that was fetched into the site. So it's basically zero cost except that API call. And could those islands be integrated into like an ASP.NET site, JSF site, PHP site as well? Uh, no, that's that's really more a part of of Nux.js. Um, okay, so, so it's and, a Nux.js app that you add islands into. I and usually, you. like when you think of islands, it's more like okay, you have a, a static site and more like reactivity islands. And in Nux.js, it's inverted actually because we need a little bit of JavaScript at least. So we say let's have some static islands. But the future vision is that your whole app could be such a static island. And if these static islands have the opportunity to, let's say, um, for example, for slots, to host some reactive parts again, then we are where we want to be. To say like, okay, let's just define once again, everything is static except the things that actually need interactions. And then we're at the sweet spot. Plus, you can choose if you want to have that architecture maybe on some parts of the application. Let's say like you have uh, a big application with some front-facing parts, some marketing sites, an admin dashboard, then it might not make sense to apply the whole everything as static except a few parts to the whole site, but maybe say, okay, for the front end, that's totally uh, viable, but for the admin dashboard, I need so much interactivity, I can't do that there. And then in your next application, you can just switch it off for uh, certain parts. Nice flexibility then, yeah. Exactly, and we can even go further. Like, as I mentioned before, server-side rendering has, has so many, like, yeah, it's a term for almost everything nowadays, from like pre-rendering to dynamically rendering on every, on every request to incremental style, static site generation and so on. And also that you can freely mix a Nux to say like, okay, I want to have this rendered uh, just once. I want to have this pre-rendered even so it doesn't even hit the server, it's just a static file. I want to have certain routes not having SSR at all because once again, it's an admin dashboard, we have authentication, I don't need it there. And others having like a stale by revalidate um, setting to cache the content for a certain amount and refresh in the background. So also there, there's lots of flexibility and that is just the beginning. <laughs> so tell me, Alex, help, help me make this, this particular leap. Back in a not too distant past, 
you know, I mean, we mentioned PHP. We could have been talking about web forms or something like that, where uh, everything is, you know, everything is on the server all the time. I have the sense, I mean, I, that you're, you know, why wouldn't I use those? I have the sense that Vue, is, which is a client-side framework, is somehow involved in this equation. So, so what? How do you distinguish what I'm doing with this, with Nuxt and server-side rendering from? what I might have done in the past with web forms or PHP. Yeah, so in the end, you can still have an, a single page application, right? You can still have state management, complex transitions, and don't have like a click and wait or similar. But the idea is that just the initial request for like the, the server side rendering and the JavaScript frameworks, just the initial request goes to the server. And everything after that is once again, just an SPA, which means oh, okay. the first request you get the HTML and then you don't have like a click and wait. It's more or less like a best of both worlds from the typical SPA behavior and the traditional SSR behavior. And then all the, the all the benefits come up with like, okay, let's have some static parts here and there, um, some caching. Also same for, for the APIs you might hit or if like build a backend for front end, uh, which you can do very nicely with, with Nux server engine with uh, Nitro integrated into Nux. So you can also like, be a bit more in the, the backend part and the, define your own API routes. That's all on top, which once again should improve the developer experience. Also regarding type safety. Um, so yeah, we're, we're like uh, changing lots of things there to once again make the, the developers' lives easier. If I take a step back real quick, Alex, if, let's say I'm new to Nux and you, you explain what Nux is and you, you're actually really good at explaining the different uh, features it has, but I always go back, uh, and this is just based on a lot of years in the business. If I'm making a decision, I'm, I'm building a new app, for example, and I do have, you know, because a lot of apps have exactly what you said. They have a lot of static parts, but then in business apps, I'm going to argue a lot of it's, you know, very dynamic. Mm -hmm. um, how do I decide between what I think you called them server side components or next components, something like that, versus I'm just going to do typical view functionality what's the from an architecture standpoint like where do you where's what's the boundaries that let you choose between these different things you may server-side render every app right just mm -hmm. to get that first you know the paint time down things like that but when it comes to breaking from an architecture standpoint do i use the server components do i use just typical you know uh nux type uh client-side components what's your differentiator there i think first of all if you want to as i said before like server render like a route, you can change it in the config to select certain routes. But of course you can also say, hey, this component should only be rendered on the client side. Don't render it on the server at all. You can have that granularly per component. For example, you can add a suffix dot client dot view and then will only be rendered on the client side and also dot server dot view to make it a server component, which you need to change something in the config before because it's still experimental, but that's the idea. And that also means you can like define, okay, that part, I don't, I want to fully exclude it from the service at rendering, no matter which route. This should only be handled by the client because, for example, I want to draw something, I want to do something with canvas or whatever. Um, I, there is no canvas or no document or no window on the server. So we can just say, ignore that part, render a placeholder, and then as soon as the app is like hydrated and ready, then just put that in there. Or when you're like already in an SPA, then just render it because on the client side already. Okay, so the bottom line is the server side has the option because of the rehydration to 
load on the server and then put like a placeholder and then it would fill in the blanks on the client side with like a canvas, yes. for example. Gotcha. Absolutely. And components components can also have logic for both, of course, saying, okay, they they are meant to be either rendered on the server or on the client side because it can always happen that you have like a side that you can access by just pushing F5 or Command R or whatever. That's the initial request because you could also just come like from an external side or you land there by navigating from like route A to B. And that way, the components have to kind of work on the server, on the initial request, and on the client. The good part is also we provide some composables, so some client, like kind of, of view of functions can be like compared a little bit with, yeah, uh, React hooks kind of, but in the, the view way, so to say, uh, to ensure that data fetching, for example, works on the server and on the client without having lots of overhead. So you don't have to specify necessarily, oh, this should, like to make this work on the server, I have to write hundreds of lines of code. You just fetch the data with the composables that Nux provide, for example, use fetch, and then this will be handled under the hood already. And if you say, okay, that the, the data, I don't need it on the server, then you just say server falls, and it will work as well. Well, Alex, I think I got it. Um, now, let's imagine I knew um, what Nux was from years ago. And now mm -hmm. you're coming and you're saying, hey, there's this new Nux, new stuff in Nux. So what's what's the evolution? Where are you? What are you excited about in this new version of Nux? Yeah. So, I mean, compared to Nux 2, it was a full rewrite. And there, besides like changing from view 2 to, to view 3, using the composition API, um, there, there are so many new features, especially the better types of support. Uh, first, through the composition API, but also because we rewrote, rewrote the whole thing in, in TypeScript. I think the server engine is a real benefit because, for example, Nux2 really struggled to deploy on serverless. It was a bit clunky. Now, everything is like it's working neatly and once again out of the box. And also, being able to use Nux as kind of a full stack framework to define your own backend, which I did in several projects, saying like, okay, just hook up any kind of database, write your API routes. And I think if I would have to pinpoint one feature that is kind of unique, besides like the whole, we can choose our architecture based on the components and routes, I think it would be uh, Nuxt layers, also known as extends. And the idea here is you can write some kind of Nuxt application and you can use that as the base of another application. So all components, all pages, all functions, composables, assets, they will be used and you can override them. So they will kind of be like just inherited unless you override them, they're good. And it's ideal if you have, I don't know, a bigger project that shares a component library. Or let's say um, you have four clients that want the same thing of your software but need different branding. Um, and lots of lots of other use cases. So I think that's something that's very unique in the whole area. And there's lots of exploration how to use that in the best way. And I'm, I'm very curious to see more examples there because I think it's a normal feature. Now, has this been released already? It's ready for action yes. or are you? Yes. That's totally ready for action. Yes. Uh, the good thing is we are also trying to improve it more. So one thing you cannot do yet is reference a layer. So let's say like you have a, um, a base layer with some components and you want to say, hey, I want to import... Uh, like override some components, but I want to import this specifically. Um, so you cannot name that yet, but this is work in progress. Uh, and in general, I, I've seen it in use in, in quite some projects, uh, also bigger ones, and it makes it very easy to encapsulate what uh, is, for example, the base for, for all the like 
I don't know, white label projects. What's what when I change a piece of code, will it affect just one app or all five, for example? Um, and I think that really helped compared to the solutions before. Plus, hot module reload will just work, auto imports will work, um, TypeScript will work completely fine. So yeah. What are you guys using uh build-wise when I, you know, run your CLI and I want to do a build process? Um you know, Webpack's obviously been the standard for forever, but now there's all the new hotness coming out. Have you guys moved to any of the other stuff? Yeah, so um, Next2 was using Webpack, of course. With Next3, you have the choice between Webpack 5 and Vite, so a roll-up-based uh, approach. Um, and for actually bundling the whole thing, Nitro, the server engine, has, yeah, also is also roller-based and has um, lots of like own code there to ensure, okay, let's, um, for example, mock certain things out for uh, for the edge because you don't have a file system there and uh, certain things are not available. So there's quite some custom logic, uh, uh, yeah, under the hood. Have you noticed much of a difference between the Webpack 5 and the, the Vite builds? Yeah, well, uh, I, I can't even blink now <laughs> after changes. It's that fast. Um, yeah. So it's it's crazy fast, and also that's that's a really fun thing. So um, in in February this year, we released Nux DevTools. So there are Vue DevTools already, and the Nux DevTools are DevTools integrated inside your application. So you don't have to have that as like a Chrome tab or anything. And the best part there is it's um, it works with RPC under the hood. So we embedded a VS Code window or tab there, so you could actually open your VS Code in the browser and you can write the application while seeing because it's so fast almost like almost real time like almost live what you change <laughs> so nice. and that's just one of the one of the many things you can do with the dev tools i think which is also something lots of people uh envy the the next community a little bit about like oh can't we have this too for our framework because it's it's a lot like uh, helpful for like the OG tags for the SEO parts to see what's imported, how how the components um, interact with each other, like which components inherit which, which components are like maybe not used at all, and also there it's there's so much more to come in in that space. Alex, I'm looking through you, you piqued my interest quite a bit here with the VS Code side and the Dev Tools. I love tooling, so I looked at the Nux Dev Tools. They look really cool on the VS Code side. I just went in and typed in search for Nuxt in VS Code extensions, and I came up with 29 results as of today. Uh, and it doesn't seem like there's a clear one that I should be choosing that's either from the Nuxt team or the Vue team. So there, there is a VS Code extension called Nuxter, so Nuxt with an R at the end. Um, that's developed by the community. But with the DevTools, it's you don't have the DevTools in VS Code. You actually have VS Code in the DevTools. So it's it's actually the other way around. Um, and of course, if if you if you want to use VS Code with Nux, then you usually just go with Volar, which is the Vue language uh, tools. And that's besides like Nux will add some nice features, but if you just want to get started, Volar is more than enough. That's interesting. I, I haven't tried. I mean, the Volar, but I mean, having VS Code inside your Dev Tools, I think is interesting too, because if you're used to working in VS Code, I wonder what kind of a shift that is a mindset shift for folks and i'm just thinking out loud like oh i'm using vs code all day i'm building this i'm building that and now i've got to kind of do a mindset mindset shift to kind of use it in a different way um that's fascinating yeah. it's it's super interesting i i know like some people actually use it to like oh let's debug something or for example for for presentations and talks it's amazing i don't have to switch between the browser and vs code it's just like hey 
let's change it right away. And it's, I think it's just one of the examples of how much you can do with the, these dev tools because they are so like tightly connected to actually dev server and environment. And also with, with for example, the Nux modules, you can add things to the dev tools. Like you, you can add your own tab and, and that means you can customize whatever you want, even like build some dev tools for your application, like a tab in there. If it's like a big one to, I don't know, set some permission, fake some users whatsoever. Um, and I think this this will really unleash, especially for bigger for bigger projects, um, bigger power there. That's cool. I like having new options to try things out. I won't make any judgments on it yet. It sounds different to me, but uh, that also sounds interesting to go kind of dig into. I'm gonna I'm gonna look into that. I love different developer tool experiences. And, and hit me hit me up with uh, your findings and how you like it. I'm very curious. Yeah, all all of you actually. <laughs> yeah, I'll do that. I am I am having a little bit of trouble finding the exact reference in the. Uh, Docs of the dev tools, figure out how you do that and what it looks like. So if you can pop something into the show notes, I will do for everybody. Yeah. That'd be great because I'd love to kind of show people how that works. Absolutely, uh, so it's not I just think, me trying it; it's our audience trying it. Oh yeah, and, and same same for for all the people listening, right? If there's anything you like, just like please just give give us uh, a, like send us a message. Um, like everybody from the team, I'm very happy to take them all as well. Um, because we are always eager for feedback from the community. We we really rally that. Hey, Alex, I want to thank you for coming back on the show here today. Um, we're going to get into our final thoughts for a portion of our episode now. And this is when we kind of have our final thoughts either on topic or just completely off topic. Uh, and I see Word grinning here. Our audience can't see that. So I think he's got <laughs> something nefarious up his sleeve. So I'm going to start not with Word. Let me start with you, Dan. What is your final thought for the audience today? <laughs> My final thought was, wow, have we come so far. Uh, when we were talking earlier, like you mentioned, Ajax, uh, Alex, before there was a thing before Ajax. Um, back in the day, you could actually use frames um, where you could have an embedded iframe to make your Ajax calls. And then I don't even think you can do it nowadays because of security. But back in like, you know, Netscape, I don't know three or something like that. And definitely IE three was one of them. I did it. And then we moved to, uh, I don't know, John or Ward or Alex, if you, did you guys ever use the Java applet approach? We had a Java I only applet heard embedded it. on your page. <laughs> I've used them, but I haven't developed them. I've removed them from apps. <laughs> Ran away. Yeah. This was like 1855 or something like yeah, that. Yeah, you know, yeah, um, yeah. Dan, what about ActiveX documents? <laughs> Dynamic HTML? And then DHTML and then Ajax. And uh, so anyway, I guess my final thought is for those that are uh, new to the development world, there was a simpler time, I'll have to admit, but it was way less powerful and, and way less secure. Um, so I guess my final thought is it, it's pretty amazing to have all these build tools and all that, which add complexity, yes. Sure. But... I'm going to argue that they're also just amazingly powerful. Especially, I looked at your Nux DevTools things. I hadn't really seen that, Alex. And yeah, I'm going to have to explore that more. It looks super interesting. So anyway, I guess I don't really have a final thought. It's we've come a long way, folks. Cool. Uh, I agree with you, Dan. And you're making me think of all the crazy things we did in JavaScript way back when, including hidden iframes um, way back when. Ward, what is your, I'm, I'm, I'm laughing here because I think Ward's got nothing good. Ward, what is your final thought? <laughs> well, I'm just sitting here thinking about how life, how simple life was back when we were living in a cave. Um, it wasn't that much fun and you could get eaten by a saber-toothed tiger, but uh, but it was, you know, you didn't have a lot of choices and life was grand. So I, I, I hear you, Dan. 
the other thing is coming across, you know, with that whole VS Code thing, I'm thinking this is Inception. I mean, you know, I, uh, <laughs> one thing you go in, so I can use VS Code to write this, but then I can write something that has VS Code inside of it from which I can then write something. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I'm into the movie. And if, if, I, if I tell you, sorry to interrupt, but if, if I tell you one thing there, that the Vue DevTools are also just a Nuxt application running. <laughs> and that, so the Nuxt, the Nuxt DevTools are a Nuxt application in your Nuxt application having VS Code. So how do you debug the Nuxt DevTools application inside of a Nuxt app that's running inside of VS Code, which is running inside the web, which also could be running inside of a code space, which is VS Code <laughs> in the browser? <laughs> On an well, iPad. <laughs> Good one, John. Good one. That's one for the I next know, podcast when, episode. When, when's time travel coming out, Alex? I mean, you know, you're you're close, but anyway, keep going, Ward. No, I mean that's that's where I was. I I I had an original. Th no, I don't have any original thoughts. I <laughs> I had some other <laughs> thoughts, but the, but the, so, you know, all those vanished when I heard about running VS Code inside of my dev application. Yeah, uh, and that's got, um, and that's nice. I mean, I mean, I know that it's nice to do it, but it's nice to have um, the wall kicked in and realize that there are new uh, horizons for me to explore. So thanks for that, Alex. You're welcome. Agreed, agreed. Um, as I said, it really piqued my ears up a little bit too. Going, wow, I didn't know that. Alex, what is your final thought for the audience today? It was super interesting to talk about that with all of you. Also, like, everybody coming like from a different angle of course usually i'm like in oh yeah view people people have heard of nox interest in that so I'm, I'm always happy uh to talk to like oh i i was not aware of that oh that's the thing because there are so many new frameworks popping up that's it's so crazy but yeah for me it's uh, to, to like have final thoughts give it a try and it would be really interesting for me like what's what's working well what's not working well because we want to improve as we want to like deliver for normal developer experience. So I think my final thoughts is give it a go. That's that's good to hear. And you know, I appreciate you you sharing it that way because it's nice to see open source maintainers and team members who want to hear good feedback. And and I'll give you I'll give you my final thought is uh, building on yours, Alex. And that's it's it's really good for us all to think and step back sometimes and think about what I call the bubble. We all live in a bubble. It's our own world, right? Like the things we do. Alex, you were just sharing, you know, your bubble is, is the view next world. And when you go talk with people, they're already in that world. So for me, I live in a, in a strange world, I, I'd say. And that's, that strange world is I do all the frameworks. So in some ways, I, I have a perspective that when I go talk to some folks, they look at me like I have three heads. They're like, why would you write it in React, Angular, Vue, Svelte, Solid, et cetera? Um, because I have different motivations, but thinking about the bubbles we live in, expanding those scopes to different geographies, different cultures, different age groups, different experiences. One thing I appreciate about Ward is he always brings the, the perspective that I don't have as much of, because uh, I've done a lot of the, my recent web experience has all been public-facing websites, like probably 80% of it. Ward's, most of his experience has been enterprise-grade websites that they may be public or not, but a lot of the reason they're there is for the enterprise to use. And it's a completely different perspective. So neither one's right or wrong, but it's really good to kind of listen to and get outside of our bubbles and go, hey, what's going on out there? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think everybody sharing their use case or like, hey, I want to try this and this and that, that yeah. will like add up in the end and making things for better for everybody. 
but also same with like people developing new frameworks or having like new ideas in the end it's open source right so we can also learn from each other and which doesn't mean like just blindly copying but we're like hey that could be cool how do we make it work in our ecosystem hey right. that would benefit everybody or like with with Veed, for example, same idea. Like uh, Avenue started it is, and that now it's powering like so many different frameworks, and it's basically good for the whole JS community. It is. It is. It's good. It's uh, we've we've gone a long way from having no build tools uh, to now having a couple really good ones. Thank thankfully we don't have twenty of them to use, but uh, <laughs> Veed does seem like the place to be these days. Or twenty Alex, iframes in our app, John. Oh, sorry. <laughs> edit point. Do not edit that out. That is awesome, Dan. That was really good. Dan Walleen's top of his resume are in LinkedIn is iframe developer and master. Right. Alex, thanks for coming that. back on today. Yeah, I want to thank iframe, you frame, we all frame. We all frame for next. <laughs> I want to thank all of our sponsors for keeping us on the air. Idea Blade, Ward's wonderful company and does a lot of consulting and product work. Uh, Narwhal and AG Grid for keeping us up here all the time and keeping 248 episodes coming to all of you. And thank you, all of you, for listening to us for yet another week of Web Rush. You'll hear from us every Thursday morning. See you next time.